Hello, good morning, and welcome. It's Friday, the 8th of October, 2021, and we're back with episode 195. Just a quick reminder, if you're a fan of this podcast, please don't forget to drop me five stars on Apple Podcasts. So we've got a fantastic conversation today. My guest is Puria Paknejad. He, uh, well, if that name sounds at all familiar, it's because you'll recognize him from our website, from Motive Mobility, where he has been a trusted advisor to our firm. Uh, but to me, he's just one of my dearest most cherished friends whom I had the pleasure of meeting back during our law school days. So he is also an attorney. He's based out of Southern California, also licensed to practice in New York and Arizona. Uh, he's won tons of awards professionally, but to me, really, obviously, as I'm sure I've mentioned in the past, his biggest accomplishment really has been his dedication to restoring cars back to factory spec, most famously a drop-dead gorgeous iteration of a 1967 classic Volkswagen Beetle that he lovingly, painstakingly rebuilt with his bare hands in his own garage. Little surprise then, legend has it, his first words were obviously Vorsprung durch Technik. So our conversation today then is sort of the third installment in this ongoing uh, saga, really, of sorts, uh, about Tesla's imminent and infamous full self-driving beta deployment. As of this recording, slated to begin tonight, Friday at midnight. So, hope you're sitting comfortably. Episode 195 with Puria Paknajad begins now. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I didn't realize that you actually still had your Tesla. I thought you got rid of it a while ago. So, I had a, I had a Model S, as you know. Uh, I hated it. I thought it was the worst value proposition ever. Uh, not to sound hyperbolic, but it was just not worth the money. Oh, no hyperbole at all. And uh, <laughs> wow. why not, don't you tell I us have, how you really feel? <laughs> I have not been known for hyperbole. Anyway, and so when when the Model Three came along, I said, okay, this makes sense from a value proposition standpoint, because the amount that you pay, uh, the amount you pay for the Model 3 is commensurate to, to what you're getting. It's a tremendously impressive piece of kit. It's The AI the Tesla has is just so far, leagues beyond what any of its competitors have uh, with, with uh, the autopilot, that, that, that even the, the old autopilot that, that it currently offers. That it was just a no-brainer, um, but you know, with this full self-driving thing, I just said no. I said yes, and then I said no. Wait, so the right, but the but the car that you have now, you do have, you did get the full self-driving option, correct? So, so we have not had a discussion since I told you that I opted in. I have right. since so that's okay. opted out. <laughs> oh wait, what? I opted in. Huh. You put your left foot in. Take your left foot out, and then I did the hokey pokey. But okay, I said no. 
Wait, wait, just to be super clear though, you your your vehicle has the purchased full yes. self-driving option. Okay. Yes. You're saying that I, you opted I wasted in my money. To the beta. I wasted okay. my money but, on a promise that most likely will not materialize in the near future. Okay, so you opted into the beta. Correct. And now you've backed out of that. Also correct. Huh. Okay. Okay. How about that? Interesting. You know, okay. the, the um, amount, the kind and amount of telemetry that has been collected on this vehicle is staggering. And I understand that they're doing that anyway, but folks need to take a moment to appreciate that the moment you opt in, they're linking that telemetry to you, the driver, to you individually. True. Um, and I haven't been diligent enough to review all of the privacy statements to see whether or not that's going to end up being sold to third parties. Uh, the data that they gather from all that telemetry. So I said, nah, I don't think so. Interesting. Yeah, actually, that kind of makes sense. I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. I, I mean that affectionately. I mean, thinking back to when you and I did our uh, MCLE event with the Beverly Hills Bar Association, what, a year-ish ago, I guess? I can't believe I mean, it was over a year a ago. Lot of, dude, I know. I've, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you obviously raised a lot of really good points about security and privacy issues generally. Um, and I think it's really good. I tend to be somewhat more, uh, I don't know, laid back about them than perhaps I should be. Perhaps because I just have this sort of assumption, it's sort of a foregone conclusion that in a perpetually ubiquitously connected future of, well, everything, transportation or otherwise, it's going to be a necessary matter of course that some of these, what we would call privacy issues are almost by necessity forfeited. So you know, it's, it, this is, that's the same thing you said to me last year when we were having a similar discussion. Did I really? See, there, we, we, were, we were preparing for, uh, for our presentation and, and you sold me on what you said you, and you didn't sell me. I didn't buy it, but I understood why it was for sale. I'll put it that way. I understood. <laughs> I understood the opposing viewpoint in a way that I, uh, that I could see why folks just don't care. I get it now. Well, to be and to you, be clear, I'm not I'm not suggesting that I'm right about this. I'm just suggesting that that's kind of the mental state that I have about it. Yeah, and I and I think that's reasonable. Um, I'm probably in the vast minority, uh, if that's not an oxymoron, in in being so <laughs> hyper vigilant about the way uh, privacy is treated. Or data is treated. Are you though? You th you think so? I mean, because I, I read a stat the other day that suggests you know. So the new uh, iOS, I think it was iOS fourteen that deployed this first. The ability to turn off tracking from all websites and frankly everything else. Not to mention iOS fifteen, which allows you to. It's sort of like a Safari specific VPN of sorts, right? Like IP masking, right? But with yeah. respect to tracking, it turns out that virtually everybody is turning that off. So I would suggest that maybe you're not a minority when it comes to caring about this kind of stuff. I think it depends. So if uh, if turning on those security features meant none of people's social media platforms would work, I'm fairly certain they would opt to say, screw it. I'm just going to stay on the social media platforms. I, I don't care that much about privacy. But when when it can be privacy without consequence as to the conveniences that they're that, that folks have in their lives. I think I think they're yeah, the answer is that they'll they'll opt for privacy. But to your point, mm -hmm. at least I think it's to your point, um, the convenience that's associated with all these 
developments in our day-to-day lives, like full self-driving, like iPhones, and all that they bring to us, uh, there's a certain bit of trade-off there that some people just have to accept. Yeah, I mean, if you take something as basic as GPS location tracking, right? I mean, let's face it, the vast majority of the overwhelming number of apps that we use would be essentially useless. I mean, to give the most obvious example, (laughs) but for tracking, we wouldn't have Google Maps or Apple Maps or whatever, right? So never mind the ability to utilize things like Yelp, et cetera, to find your nearest best restaurant, I guess. Um, Right. So not to lose the thread. Uh, For me, full self-driving was not it. That wasn't that wasn't worth the trade off, and to and to your point, I I think you're right. It is an inevitability, I think, that this stuff is just going to end up becoming more and more commonplace. Insurance companies uh, have been plugging these trackers that you can plug into your OBD port on your cars oh, yeah, uh, in exchange for a discounted insurance rate. Those trackers are collecting an enormous amount of telemetry, enormous amount. And Just to name linked... drop for a moment, because I think we shouldn't shy away from it. I think it's MetroMile is one of them, correct? I'm not sure. I, 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 I've seen Progressive actually has uh, oh, really? one that they've branded themselves. Huh. I think it's called okay. Snapshot. I, I don't want to, I don't know mm-hmm. uh, what it's called, but they have one and they advertise it. And these things, you know, they use the OBD port uh, both to collect data about the car, to power the device, and also to collect all the telemetry about the way you drive. And then that's, you know, attached to you, to your policy. And I wonder, are are insurance companies going to eventually mandate this as a condition of of being insured at some point down the line? Honestly, that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, and frankly, if it works to help keep premiums lower, that is obviously the both the premise and the promise really of, you know, Tesla's insurance, right? That if you're a safer driver, they can dynamically kind of lower your premiums accordingly, right? Because you're a lower risk. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird. I mean, so I guess just two quick questions though. Uh, so in a sense though, how is this really different from the various, let's face it, privacy breaching metrics and information that even health insurance companies have to determine your health insurance premiums, right? This is just, based on arguably location and how you drive and so forth. Isn't it sort of a difference of kind and not a difference of degree? I would, let me start by saying this. If the day ever comes where all, all carriers require their own snapshot tool uh, to collect telemetry on you as a condition of Mm. of being insured, I'll opt into to Tesla full self driving. <laughs> so, okay, okay. So that's <laughs> so I'm not, okay. That's valid. But that, so, so, yeah. they, so that everyone doesn't think I'm a, I'm a complete hypocrite. I'm just sort of a hypocrite sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, t- to answer your question, what was your question again? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I guess I was just wondering. Uh, so, isn't it simply a difference well, of kind, not really a difference it, of degree? You, you, whether you're getting telemetry data from a car or health insurance information. Yeah, you brought up the health insurance bit. So uh, to me, be, because it is actively collecting real-time data that's relevant to the thing that it's selling you or giving you in exchange, to, I think an, a more apt example or analogy w- with regard to health insurance would be implanting a tracking device 
subdermally or something like that uh, into you that tracks you in real time. What did you yeah, eat? Because that's, when did that, you walk? I mean, basically, it's like your Apple Watch or something like Plus. Yeah, if they could obviously use, this is coming. I, yeah, I wonder. I mean, our, our health insurance company is going to say we must have access to the to the watch that you wear that you must wear as a condition of being insured. No, I could see. Yeah, they may not sort of strong arm it that way, but they could. I could certainly see folks having the option to kind of opt into such a thing. So, for instance, I remember seeing ads for quite some time. There was some health insurance company that said, "Hey, if you can." validate that you're able to run a sub eight minute mile we're going to get you lower premiums sure it's pretty damn and, cool yeah sure and non-smokers great. non-smokers also I yeah think, better yeah. rates well and any a lot of those things yeah, are self-declared sure. right I no i see your, i see the difference of course yeah so but for, but for example on, if someone's a, if someone's mm-hmm. a smoker and they say they're a non-smoker and then they go to, they get treated for lung cancer the insurance company could deny the claim and say we have proof that you've been a smoker yeah, no, no, for sure. But but going back to your point about Tesla specifically is, uh, I mean, it, it, net net though, it sounds like you're saying it, it wasn't really worth it at the moment to allow that sort of tracking. So are you kind of implicitly suggesting that once it's better, then it would be worth it to you? I don't. Like if we had know. a finished product, not a beta product, not re, I, not really, just because the the concept conceptually self-driving doesn't isn't so important to me that i would trade away something that was so precious like you know mm, access to driving telemetry on on the daily mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i just don't think that's that ain't it that's an interesting point actually and you know the telemetry that they collect is weird it's not i mean i guess i shouldn't say it's weird it's just not really related to the thing that you're getting are you taking the turn too fast? Are you braking too hard? Uh, how many forward collision warnings do you have per thousand miles? Some of these things are dependent on Tesla's own systems. You know, if I if I am driving into the Starbucks drive-through, uh, and a car turns in front of me, uh, the forward collision warning is gonna go off, but that's not because I'm an unsafe driver. That's just because the system thinks that something's going to go on in front of me. Though I'm sure. Oh, totally. But I'm, obviously this I'm sure your listeners are going to correct me on how, on how that forward collision warning works, but I've had, <laughs> I've had a lot and I do mean a lot of false forward collision warnings and some, and some not false ones that have quite frankly been very helpful. I don't know that they've been any more helpful than on any other vehicles uh, that offer the same thing, but it's been helpful. But at the same time, I'm not dependent on, the accuracy of Tesla's own systems to judge the safety of how I drive, right? Or how hard are you braking? Well, if the car in front of me slams on his brakes, I'm going to slam on my brakes. I don't want to have to worry about how that impacts my safety score. It's kind of stupid. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, that's um, so. First of all, I don't disagree. At least, uh, at least superficially, I don't disagree with any of that. I mean, obviously, I'm sure you'll agree this is 
just sort of the most conservative risk averse way that Tesla has to effectively filter out who gets access to essentially, yeah, beta test this thing, right? Um, it's a proxy for safety because in the aggregate, right, it's probably the case that people who are able to avoid those scenarios, whether or not they're accurately recorded, right, in the aggregate, they probably tend to be safer, more conscientious drivers, right? So for instance, I don't know, I also got super annoyed the other day where I had a forward collision warning go off because there was a car in front of me quite far down the road, which was making a left turn onto a cross street. And it had already exited my lane and was therefore, you know, halfway across the the, the road. But for whatever reason, our Tesla started blaring and beeping like an Airbus autopilot being switched off or something. And that was pretty annoying. And of course it dinged me pretty heavily for that particular trip. So that was annoying, but it's not meant to be precise, I guess, right? It is just a really conservative proxy what, for safety. What, I think. Why are you doing this to yourself? You're twisting yourself. In yeah. So, <laughs> you know, right. it so, dinged me heavily for the trip. I, I know, mean, I know. Do, do I you know. not have enough stress in your life? What is this? <laughs> I get sad when I hear this, you know, I, it, it you deserve better, Mark. You deserve better than what Tesla's so, giving. So, hold, hold on a second. You, I, I think it's safe to say you and I are sufficiently geeked out by things. And if ever there was a thing that took the crown for supreme geek out ability, this is surely it. I mean, look, obviously, I am genuinely curious. Um, I mean, really, I'm so, so curious just to try this damn thing finally. I really just want to see how it works. So if it means driving, I mean, I'm generally a very conservative driver. I've got a essentially perfect driving record my whole life from nearly every single metric. I mean, so if it means driving even more conservatively just to try a cool new bit of tech, I don't know. That seems kind of worth it to me anyway. I'd agree with you if it was just driving more conservatively, not giving up the crown jewels, but sure. uh, Totally. I think reasonable minds will disagree disagree on whether or not it's giving up the crown jewels. But my, my presumption is there's plenty of listeners out there that are thinking to themselves, Poor, this poor guy is an idiot. Uh, why wouldn't I? No, no, but you, no, no, but, yeah, but you did that. say an interesting thing earlier, uh, which had to do with the fact that you actually did purchase the option for full self-driving and yet you've still opted out. But, and that's, so there aren't numbers out there to show who's, you know, who's bought the thing, who's opted into the thing. I would assume that most people who dropped, what was it? Six, seven, eventually eight or $9,000 on this <laughs> probably opted in. Wouldn't you think? Probably. I agree with you. Like I said, mm-hmm. I'm in the minority, but yeah, no, that's that's uh, yeah. But I'm, I, pre- I presume I'm in the minority. But mm-hmm. you know, the other thing is, you bought these folks bought. They paid for this on the premise that they're going to get it. They didn't pay for yeah. it on the premise that they may have some limited access at some point in the future, subject to certain terms and conditions. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Let us get a little bit more data from you and then we'll let you know. Uh, so there's two big problems that I see though, right? So one is that apparently you can't, suppose this goes on for another couple of years, right? And suppose in a couple of years or even sooner, we decide, hey, we want to switch up to the Model X. I don't know. So as you probably know, it turns out that your purchase of full self-driving doesn't transfer with you to a new car. It stays with the current car, which I'm means so that quite literally- I'm so shocked. Yeah, Wait, wait, you're that's sarc that's Poria sarcasm, right? Dripping. Yes. Dripping. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, but, but look, that that to me, and I think I'm I've I mean, I've been criticized for being a bit lenient 
maybe a bit more than a bit lenient um, for all things team Elon over the years. Fair enough. I do think that's pretty inappropriate though. I think that if we got a new Model X or whatever, new Tesla in general say, we should be able to take that with us. Because if we didn't, then we will have literally paid for a thing that we never got. And that's not okay. And to be honest, I'd be shocked if there weren't some class action lawsuit about that. Tweet the man. He seems to respond to his ardent followers. Yeah, Let him true. know. I'm surprised I think, I think your that? position yeah. is eminently reasonable. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. That's, yeah, that's pretty annoying if that were the case. Um, well, <laughs> as, as are all things Tesla related, it may change overnight. It may change in the next 30 minutes. We don't know. Yeah. Well, speaking of annoying things, I actually wanted to tell you actually two super annoying things that happened. I finally became like part of that 1% who actually managed to I may have managed to lock myself out of our Tesla. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. I know, right? Like, I feel like you'd have to try to do that, actually. I feel like you did. As a matter of fact, do you want to guess like, how you even could do that? The, uh, no, seriously, like, how could you actually lock yourself out of a Tesla? Okay. Here's... Okay, here's my... I feel like the the scene in Dumb and Dumber where... Uh, Jim Carrey felt like it. Jim Carrey says, "I think, uh, yeah, I'm definitely having an idea. This is this yeah. is one of those moments. All right, here's how you did it. You uh, were not running the Tesla app on your iPhone because you swiped away, you swiped off the card, and okay. your." Card key was in your wallet, which was in a place that was not close enough to the proc sensor uh, by the cup holder to detect it. And when you shut the door and walked away, the car didn't detect any uh, authentication devices within its cabin and locked itself. And then you were left with no way to unlock it. So that's pretty clever. And you're pretty close, although to your credit, that sort of involved aligning more of the slices of Swiss cheese, so to speak, for the failure to get through, as they say. This was, I would say, almost rather more of a mundane kind of failure in the sense that all that happened was, you are right about the Tesla key card was indeed in my wallet, which was in the glove box, which is rather unusual. I don't usually do that. I think I had gone for a run that day and I had therefore just put it there and I'd forgotten. Regardless, what had happened was I had parked the car, went to a grocery store and my phone died in the store. And so with the uh-huh. phone and key in the glove box and my phone dead, yeah, there was no way in. And so, I, but before well, Pat gripped me- If your well, partner yeah. had, I didn't mean to interrupt, but if your partner has access, then she could let you in remotely. The problem is you couldn't call her to tell her. Bingo, right. So my wife was at home with the baby. I was here at the market. There was no way to get a hold of it. And, and for a moment- I had a bit of, shall we say, comical kind of fear grip me. I'm like, oh, not a problem. I'm in a market. I'll just ask anybody for their for their charger. Not a big deal. You know, the folks who work there and they're like, what? We have a policy here. I say market. It's actually a little tiny farm, which has a market. And they're like, yeah, sorry, we're not allowed cell phones during the job or on the job. Finally, somebody pulled me aside. He's like, hey, let me get my car. I've got a charger there. I'm going to drive over. And anyway, it was a pretty, we all had a pretty good laugh about it, but it was you know, in retrospect, it was rather startling. I'm glad it was, you know, in the middle of a snowstorm. That would have 
gotten pretty bad pretty quickly. But, but, but anyway, that was one thing that sucked. And then today, somewhat similar, because it actually, you kind of touched on it. I was in the car uh, with baby. We were sat in the back seat together. I was waiting for my wife and her parents to go do some stuff. And I managed to set off the the car alarm. Have you ever actually tripped the security system of your Tesla? Do you know what it does? I don't think I have. Yeah, don't find out. At least not if you're in the car. Especially with, so, with the little with the little guy. That's got to be tough. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. It turned what would have otherwise been an extremely annoying, admittedly hilarious event into something that was frankly startlingly scary for his, shall we say, auditory well-being. Um, so what it does, again, I was in the back seat, and without thinking, I just opened the rear door without manually unlocking the car through the app. So I opened the rear door just by pressing the button. As soon as the door opens, car alarm starts blaring. And at maximum volume on the stereo system, which, as you and everyone who has a Tesla knows, what an amazing system. It starts blaring box mass in, I don't know, G something or other. The the, the famous Halloween mass. Yeah. I mean, really loudly. So imagine this massive organ, you know, like so loudly that like you feel it resonating through your bones. And meanwhile, our little two-month-year-old or two-month-old baby is in the car seat next to us, and I'm desperately trying to get this thing to shut off, and I just can't. Oh, boy. That was remarkably bad. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was not good. That, that sounds... Went from, you know, the, the only yeah. conclusion I'm getting from both of these stories, Mark, is that uh, you shop at uh, very charming places. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you you have such innocent sensibilities that the thought of a of an auto theft uh, upsets you quite 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 severely. Although I will say, I would have been pretty I would have been pretty darn annoyed for the little guy. Oh, I was. I, I, no, I, I was. That's, he that's was really that's really aggravating. Yeah. No, that was uh, as I say, it went from being something that would have been annoyingly amusing if it was just me alone to being downright concerning. I mean, it's really loud and the little guy was practically asleep at the moment. So that was not cool. Um, Maybe Tesla will introduce little guy mode like they did Joe mode. Well, so what we often do is we will, we will totally utilize uh, camping mode or, or dog mode. That's true. You know, when someone stays in the car, cause that's one of the great kind of, I think one of the most underrated features of any electric car, Tesla or otherwise, right. It's the ability to just, hang out in your car in any weather because there's no engine idling, right? And you can just have the AC running if it's hot. You can have the heater running if it's cold. It's a really, really great, I think, profoundly underrated feature. And so we take advantage of that a lot, actually. Um, So the fact that this occurred was uh, (laughs) pretty unnerving, to say the least. I don't know how we went down this path. This has nothing to do with full Uh, self-driving. Tesla annoyances. But an enjoyable subtopic, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, that's valid. Um, but okay, so so let's talk about this beta testing thing, though, because I am still doing it. And I thought I was proud to say I've managed to hover at 98%, which I know you're thinking this is absurd for me to care. Valid. Uh, but now it turns out, check this out, that 98% may not be sufficient, that in fact, you may have to be at 100%, otherwise you still won't get access come Friday. No way. It? I had no idea. Well, nobody knows, right, for certainty, obviously, but this is what I've been hearing through the interwebs, that it's possible that it's going to be kind of 
you know, little by little rolled out, starting with those who have a hundred and maybe then kind of down this, down the spectrum, who knows. I, I, I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to envision the hordes of Tesla drivers who have been so meticulously watching their every move while driving in hopes that they don't, uh, that they don't deviate off of that 100 score. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I, I just, uh, I'm try- <laughs> it's the thought itself is honestly really amusing. <laughs> it is, and but here's the problem though, right? Cause, and you kind of, for a moment, you, you kind of touched on something, which is, it sounds funny until you realize it's not. Um, it's effectively gamifying driving, right? Which sounds like it should be a good thing because it should make people drive ever more safely until you realize that it doesn't. I've actually heard reports now of people who, for instance, I think I may have discussed this in my prior episode. Um, you know, you'll be driving along, there's a pedestrian or a bicyclist coming in front of you. And rather than slamming on the brakes, people are kind of turning to drive around them because yeah, they don't Yeah, but don't, don't wanna... turn too fast. Well, ex- <laughs> exactly. The computer won't like fast. it if you turn too fast. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, so, so kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. But either way, it's preventing people from doing the thing they would have perhaps instinctively done that would probably, in general, be the safer thing to do, uh, right? So there's that. The other thing that's super bizarre, huh? Yeah. Folks are literally um, getting in their cars and thinking, is the computer going to like the way I do this? That is actually exactly what I think when I. Computer, I is this that. okay? Yes. Are you sure? Are you of, sure this is okay? Reminds me of Hal, right? That's From, Hal. Yeah, it totally is Hal. Um, <laughs> but then there's the other irony, too, which is that, and, and this is actually, I think, practically memeable by now, but like this notion that. In order to test a thing, which requires, which at least arguably provides a thing where you don't need to drive, you have to prove that you're a safer driver, right? It's a bit break that down for me. Ironic. Well, so we're testing a thing which is supposedly going to let us essentially use a car which can drive itself, right? So, which in the optimal end game scenario of where everything is headed, you get in your Tesla and it just drives you around, right? So whether you're a good driver would have no bearing whatsoever on whether the thing works well. But ironically, to get to that point, to even be able to beta test this thing, which eventually anyway can drive you from A to B unsupervised, literally level four, if not eventually level five, you have to actually validate that you're a very good driver. It's, it's, it's ironic. This is I mean, this is exactly where my uh, annoyance lies. Being a good driver doesn't always necessarily mean taking your turn slowly. Sometimes, like in the example you gave with the pedestrian, you need to make an evasive maneuver. Evasive maneuver, uh, exactly. Safely, safely. You need to you need to complete that maneuver safely. Sometimes you need to clear the intersection quickly to again to avoid an obstruction or to avoid imminent uh, danger. And if you do that, then you might accelerate too fast. If you if you swerve to avoid, you might you know uh, turn too fast. It it's none of this makes any sense to me. It just doesn't. I think. Look, I, I'll tell you what. It's fun. It's kitschy. Uh, like you said, it allows geeks like us to geek out. But I, I just don't. So, so you said a thing that was pretty interesting, actually. Uh, how you often do need to do evasive maneuvers effectively on instinct let's face it to, to use sometimes word okay yeah, yeah. I, I, don't and, I don't want i don't want folks saying oh this guy's 
doing evasive movers all the time. <laughs> no, no, for sure. But but it reminds me of a of a of a principle in aviation, which pilots have always said, which is uh, you know, in case of emergency, aviate, navigate, communicate, which is to be taken at face value. It's literally what it sounds like. So in the case of an emergency, the first thing you do is literally fly the plane, make sure it is flying safely. Second of all, navigate the plane, make sure you know where you're flying to. Finally, take a breath, communicate to your the rest of your flight crew, to the passengers, and indeed to the uh, air traffic control. It has to be that stepwise thing, but that obviously um, validates what you're saying, that there are many scen- scenarios where indeed you do an evasive thing because you have to. It's not like you have a time, you don't have time to think about it is the point. Um, and now we're in a situation where, again, ironically, with this sort of trial period, we effectively have to try to almost nullify this instinct to do the whole aviate or drive portion of that maxim. It's, it is counterproductive in some senses. You are as usual, not to Brown nose you Mark, but you're good at this stuff. You're on, you're on point. When you're, when you're on point, you're on point. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Thank you. But this is where I might drop the ball, though. I often also argue that the ends tend to justify the means too. So if the net result is a safer future in the aggregates, I generally take the naive stance that that's probably there for okay. It, it, it's not really, the end result isn't a guaranteed safe future. The end result is the possibility of a safer future. We're not, we don't know if these things are going to be safer or not yet. We think they might be. Uh, but you're willing to, you're willing to roll the dice for that shot. And I, and I think that's reasonable. I am going on the assumption that it's not reasonable to imagine a future where this isn't the case. It's sort of like trying to retroactively have imagined a future where we didn't have artificial light bulbs. It's, it, it, it would be irrational to presume that humanity doesn't make this step change successfully where we somehow have to forever continue driving these dangerous vehicles ourselves. That, to me, is improbably irrational to occur. Uh, it's an irrational future to imagine uh, continuing. Yeah, I wonder what the up what the sense? uptake of light of light bulbs and incandescent technology generally would have been if Edison said to everybody, "I need to monitor the way that you use these. You need to use these things in a way that only I agree with, in order for you to be <laughs> able to have them. Otherwise, no. And by the way, I'm going to be watching your every move." Uh, you know, it, look, I, I completely understand that there needs to be some sort of objective metric by which to do this stuff, right? It's like actuarial tables, Mm -hmm. um, in a, in a wrongful death case, uh, for example, folks, it's unsavory, but these, they exist. There are actuarial tables out there that effectively are aggregated to assign or to attempt to assign some sort of uh, objective dollar amount to somebody's life 
yeah, from the stand yeah, from true. the standpoint or from the viewpoint rather of, of an insurance carrier. Mm-hmm. So I get that these guys needed to have some sort of ob- objective basis on which to, to to rely to try to calculate who is uh, worthy, if you will, of FSD and who isn't. But some things just aren't meant to be reduced to ones and zeros. You know, eating food. Yeah, I don't know if anyone's done this before, but like the angle at which the fork enters the mouth must be precisely 45 (laughs) degrees. And if you deviate, well, you're not going to get that steak. Now, hold on a second. Uh, No, no, but they did do. You're you're forgetting. I do believe in Victorian England. Actually, not even Victorian. Well, yeah, Victorian England. uh, You had to hold the fork just so when eating your food. Would they deny you food if you didn't? That's the question. Or or would you merely be judged by your peers? What about this? You know, I always hesitate to do episodes entirely on Tesla in the few minutes we have left. I think it's worth touching briefly on if only to save my skin so people don't think I'm just a hopeless Tesla fanboy, which I'm not, because I am hugely uh, enamored with, infatuated with Rivian. And the only reason I want to mention them now, if you have a thought on this, is to their credit, really their singular focus is tapping into the obvious market of vehicles that people want, right? So it's SUVs and pickup trucks, hence the 1RS and excuse me, the R1S and the R1T models, respectively, their deployment of high-speed charging stations everywhere, but especially at, you know, trailheads and natural parks. Um, But they don't really talk at all about any sort of autonomous driving capability, at least not that I've heard. I haven't heard about it either. Yeah. Uh, Let me, let's start, let me start by saying this. Uh, What Tesla is doing in just existing is absolutely phenomenal for the market. We, we should want everybody, everybody, regardless of your position on Tesla, the company should want Tesla to continue doing what it's doing to innovate, to push out these updates. They are driving the market in many, many ways to well, modernize, sure. yeah. uh, to, to electrify, better, to electrify, to become better overall. Yeah. Uh, there there are so many secondary benefits to having a company like Tesla do what it does. Uh, so it's great. And I, it, I, I imagine, uh, to your question, that Rivian's upcoming success, and I think they will be successful. It's just a, it's speculation, so. but I think they will be. Yeah, Rivian's upcoming success will be on the shoulders of everything Tesla's done. Because... Tesla softened the public to the idea of viable electric vehicles, electric vehicles that are in demand. And folks are no longer looking at them as a novelty. They're, they're going to become the standard pretty soon here in, in uh, personal mobility. So, yeah, it's interesting to me. That said, it's interesting to me that Rivian's not touting anything about AI yet. I imagine they've got something brewing. I'm just again speculating. They must. Uh, yeah, but they haven't. They I, haven't advertised it. I mean, unless I missed something, I haven't seen anything about it. No, um, I'm actually hoping to at least get access to one of their press vehicles. I've sent out a few, a few asks for that, um, so I can't wait to get my hands on it. Not to mention Lucid. Same thing. They finally apparently have an actual thing in the flesh now, which is driving and has the first reviews are out there, topping what 500 miles, I guess, 520 miles of range. 
Um, Lucid's got a model sitting in a showroom at Century City Mall. And, no. Uh, yeah, really? It's, very, it's, a, it's a pretty vehicle until you see the back, and then it's like... Wait, 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 wait. wait. The back, specifically, let's be honest, the font with which they spell out air, that looks like something off a 1970s van. Yeah, you know, what was the car that uh, Homer's brother asked him to make? (laughs) Homer made the car. It was called the Homer, I I think. Was it really? I don't remember. Uh, the lucid's the lucid's not nearly that ugly. It's not ugly at all. In fact, it's an, it's. A I handsome, mean, in the press shots, it looks. I think it's quite pretty, honestly. I think it, looks it is. It's a handsome design. It's just a little yeah. bit clunky for me in in, okay, in the way the mirror is designed. But I think plenty of people are gonna uh, yeah, disagree but... with me on that, and and, and they're gonna think that it's it's pretty. And and I'm all, that's another company I'm happy is I, pushing bingo. Through. That, yeah, no, that's exactly right, and that that was actually why I mentioned it is because. This this is indeed the the secondary effect, as you say. All these other companies now rolling these out. Look at Volkswagen doing this about face following Dieselgate, uh, which I think probably surprised nobody. I mean, it didn't surprise me. Honestly, it didn't. I mean, they had to have done what they did, switching to EV production. I think Volkswagen probably has the best chance of an OEM. I would say, frankly, much more so than Ford. With all due respect to Ford, the Mach-E Mustang, I think, is a fantastic thing. I really do. Um, but I think as a whole, I still think Volkswagen are probably going to take the lead. Well, the lead after Tesla anyway. Um, and this is great. And you're right. It's all because it was jumpstarted, uh, what, back in 2012 with the Model S anyway, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you think back to 2012, nobody was taking electric cars seriously. No, no, no. But the only well, thing lacking I should, now, honestly, I is... say that the, the 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 majority of the population wasn't taking it seriously. Plenty of folks were taking them seriously. Just, I think they were at that point relegated to sort of the 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 geeky types. Yeah, but that's the problem, though. You just nailed it. The geeky types, and that's kind of the problem. Unless you're in some major kind of urban area, I think people still don't know enough about it. I actually mentioned on a prior episode how I was very pleasantly surprised. I was at a Home Depot somewhere in. Uh, out in New Hampshire, actually. Um, and with all due respect to New Hampshire, I didn't expect five or six passersby would walk over and, you know, just start asking me 20 minutes worth of questions about our Tesla. And that made me really happy on the one hand. On the other hand, it reminded me just how, what a, what a sad lack of proper education there is, which is why I'm, again, such a huge fan of Rivian. To me, learning about anything, in this case, electric cars, obviously, but anything, if you're trying to learn programming, for instance, you can't just say to yourself, hey, I think I'm going to sit down and learn this. You have to have a project that you need to work on. You have to have a thing that you need to do because you need it. And that's then why you learn it. Similarly, I think something like Rivian, folks who realize, look, we just need a good vehicle that can allow us to do, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, oh, it turns out that this thing, Rivian can do it or Tesla or whatever. And, oh, it happens to be electric. And here's why it's so good at doing these things. That's what's going to cause people to learn about it. They're not going to learn about it on their own otherwise they have to have a reason to learn it i think what you're saying is that necessity is the mother of education <laughs> actually that is a rather more succinct way of putting it yes and on that bombshell i think that's probably a wrap but yes that's exactly right dude this has remember been so much fun man. remember the acronym nitmo 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 that's, that's good actually that's it i like that i'm tying that to to mark um dude this has been so much fun man this is this has been awesome i uh i 
I love the direction with respect to privacy. And I think there's so much more to talk about besides. So obviously open invite whenever you feel like doing another episode together. It's been a ton of fun. Well, I, I could, I could talk to you damn near every day and I uh, am genuinely grateful for the opportunity to share. share no, no, it's, it's been with, fantastic. Uh, My pleasure. We, we will do it more for sure. Thank you, sir. So uh, yeah, thanks very much. Have a great night. We'll talk soon. All right. Well, that is a wrap for today. And indeed this week, Look, as of recording and editing and publishing this episode right now, it is presently Friday, uh, about 1 p.m. Eastern time, I have received confirmation that full self-driving beta will begin deployment tonight at midnight, presumably California time, PST, um, beginning indeed, as we suggested during our conversation just now, that it will indeed begin with those uh, testers who have scored 100 And then at some point in the future, it'll slowly start to be deployed to those who have scored 99 and 98 and so on. So, yeah, as of right now, I am still mm, frustratingly stuck at 98. But um, I'll probably be reporting back next week with some updates. So until then, thanks very much for listening. Have a wonderful weekend. Take care. Bye-bye.